There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could fight the battles that they never could. In 2018, the Marvel Cinematic Universe turns 10 years old. Avengers Infinity War draws near. And in an attempt to make sense out of all that's happened up to this point, we find two intrepid individuals. Peter Melnick, local newspaper production associate and mild-mannered comic book and podcast enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson, morning radio announcer in Sullivan County, upstate New York, with an inordinate amount of catching up to do in his own comic book universe. Alone, they stand apart. Duh. But together, they are The Marvelists. Scott Lang, electronics wizard, former cat burglar, ex-convict, and doting father. Then, fate took a hand, and Scott suddenly found himself in possession of the shrinking gas and cybernetic helmet of the most astonishing superhero of them all. Stan Lee presents the all-new Ant-Man. Welcome, everyone, to the Marvelists, the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Eddie Wilson. And... Oh, and I'm Charles Perot, the guest. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> Self-intro. <laughs> Love it. All right. So, first off, how can people get a hold of us on them, our social medias? Eddie, Facebook.com slash The Marvelist. Twitter at The Marvelist. You can find myself at Peter Malik, yourself. At EWilson959. Hey, we're also on Instagram. Yes, we are. We are at The Marvelous. You can also drop us an email at The Marvelous at Gmail. Boom. And also, people out there in listening land, you can also rate, review, subscribe, and share on that iTunes and share this show on social media. Let people know you're listening. Use the hashtag TheMarvelous or Marvelous. I don't care. Either one works. But you can also listen to the show on Stitcher Radio, available for all iOS and Android devices. We're probably on a bunch of other stuff, but Stitcher is the most important to me. Mm -hmm. Oh, and Eddie, speaking of Stitcher. Yes, you are. I am. Stitcher.com slash premium. Use the promo code MARVELOUS. So you get a free one month of Stitcher Radio. You can listen to a whole bunch of different programs, including radio shows with Stitcher and Stitcher Premium. But we recommend Stitcher Premium because Wolverine, The Long Night. Eddie, you've been listening to it. You love the hell out of it. Oh. I love the hell out of it. Oh, yeah. Three claws up. Three, 5,000 claws up over here. Snaked away. <laughs> but... Like I said, you use that promo code, and you can listen for one f whole month for free. And then they charge afterwards, mm -hmm. you know, after the month is over. If you want to stay on, you can cancel any time, whatever. But use that promo code MARVELIST at checkout when you sign up, and you'll help support the show. And we love it. But what we are going to be talking about today is Ant-Man from 2015. But before we get into that, Charlie, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm watching Ant-Man right now, so how could I not be doing a solid film right here? We got Charlie in here as a guest of myself because when the movie came out, we both went to see it together, so I thought it would be only fitting that we uh, talk about it again. Yeah, no, and it was, 
you know, it was actually at like a point where I was debating, like, you know, am I going to really see every Marvel film in theaters, or is it just going to be like this uh, thing? And I watched it, and I was like, you know what? They can make even Ant-Man uh, a popular guy, which I was not even that aware of that much of the stuff about Ant-Man. And so you think it was better than you thought going into it? You know, I was never expecting a bad movie. I was a little bit confused because I knew about the Hank Pym storyline. I didn't really know who this new character was. I didn't, And I saw they had Paul Rudd as the main actor, which confused the hell out of me. <laughs> but, man, it was a good film. It was like every, yeah. everything about it I liked. But, guys, before we get into our overall topic of Ant-Man, what we're going to do is our usual merry, marvelous Marvel news. Eddie, you were telling me off mic that something is going on with Cloak and Dagger. Enlighten the audience. Yeah, that's something that I thought I saw in the, one of the most recent Entertainment Weekly issues, that one of the many of the 15 issues for the upcoming Infinity War. I still haven't seen them in the wild yet. Uh, I don't know if they're in stores no, yet. No, I'm, you know, I get the subscription, so I'm oblivious to that. <laughs> June 7th, Freeform, formerly known as what, ABC Family? Correct. Which will feature Olivia Holt and Aubrey Joseph in the character roles of Tyrone or Ty Johnson and Tandy Bowen. And this is, uh, you know, I'm going to say new ground in a way because these are troubled Marvel, ca Marvel characters. And I don't know how much of a following they got when they came out with their, I think, original miniseries back in the 80s, but they coexist and, and kind of feed off each other, so to speak. Dagger, female, provides the light that Cloak needs to kind of survive a, a, a hunger, a, a pit in his being to, to sustain him. They do have, I think, some kind of healing power with them, and they are street-level characters, you know, gutter yeah, kind of kind of thing, and, and, not and just the back alleys of, of society where, where teenagers... And others have have problems in the in the drug arena, in that field. And so. you would say they're kind of like along the lines of uh, street level in the sense of like uh, Moon Knight, you know, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, characters like that. Yeah, I thought of Daredevil right away because I think of him and yes, Moon Knight to deal with, you know, junkies and drug addicted people. I mean, this was something that was brought about. I remember in in Spider Man comic books with with Harry Osborn having an, an addiction to hallucinogens or, you know, amphetamines or something to that effect where you saw a lot of circles around his face when he was on a high kind of thing. So it wasn't nothing new topic-wise, but it brought this back to the forefront and, and hopefully raised awareness. And we'll do so again when this comes out. I don't know how long it will be, but yeah, Cloak and Dagger, something to, you know, look forward to. I would say that it's going to be one of those shows. I'll be honest, I'm not that hyped for. Like, I was never attached to those characters ever. Yeah. Same like when The Runaways happened on Hulu. I just didn't care, you know. The Runaways are a popular Marvel group, you know. But it just didn't appeal to me. Now, on the flip side, if they did a Moon Knight series, oh boy, I'd All be excited for that. With you on that, yeah. So, you know, I think when you see a lot of these shows, they are able to take characters that, you know, otherwise people didn't really care about before or didn't have much of an attachment to, and they make them into these great characters, you know? Yeah. And you were mentioning that you saw Jessica Jones uh, season two, correct, Charlie? First off, I just want to touch on Moon Knight and the idea of that becoming a series because, so Moon Knight, I was with some friends once, and I was with a day, and, you know, one guy there just mentioned he also was a big comic guy, and, you know, probably of eight people, only two guys there that know any of this stuff. And uh, they asked us to pitch what, what is Moon Knight, and I just said it in simplest terms, it's a schizophrenic Batman. That's what I've said, and yeah. I And I'm like, you know what, how they've not made it a show is insane. And now, for Jessica Jones, first off, it's very bizarre that Jessica Jones 
got a series before Moon Knight and got a series before a lot of these characters. But, you know, we were discussing this a little bit earlier, like how it could be the greatest thing Marvel's done, and I'd, I'd possibly agree with that. Honestly, it's it's just... The first season was really amazing. It, but but this one, in some ways, it's actually better. some ways, it's worse. I, I kind of prefer this a little bit more. But maybe that's because it has kind of a more relaxed, slice-of-life feel to it. And also, if you really like the character of, like... Uh, the wizard. Well, no, not, not, you know, if you like Trish... If you liked, um, like, Hogarth, if you like those people, this is going to, um, like, I think really appeal to a lot of you. One complaint I'll give, and this is not a big spoiler... Is the death of the wizard. Oh, I mean... Oh, okay, that's, that was not the complaint I was going to give, but that is, a, that is a complaint. It was actually Foggy Nelson, because he is in, the, he's in like, the first episode, and he does, like, a cameo, I guess, but... Does he talk about the Mighty Ducks? No, he does not talk about the Mighty Ducks, but... He talks about, uh, you know, it was something where there is no reason he can't be on both shows. And uh, I thought that was a missed opportunity. The other thing is this. The first three episodes were not as good as the rest of the series. Like Episode 7 is the greatest thing I think Marvel's ever done. And it plays like an episode of BoJack Horseman. I don't know why. Really? You gotta watch it to understand. Well, once once you're you're when you're in the first five minutes of that episode, you'll say, "Wow, this is BoJack Horseman." <laughs> I had a ball at Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane's 35th birthday party, and underlined the word "ball." I don't understand why this is so hard. It's, it's, it's like that. <laughs> it really is. But that's uh, but Jessica Jones. Like I honestly can't. Like there's no way I could really give a review much deeper than that without spoiling it. And, yeah. And you do not want to spoil this. Like, that's the one show, like, I've heard, like, a mixed bag of opinions about it, and unfortunately, it's leaning more towards the negative, and it breaks my heart, because I love Jessica Jones season one. And it's a fan base, people are going to complain. Yeah, oh, we know that with fan bases. Oh, we know that. You know, I'll say this, like, if there were some negatives into it, I can kind of get it, because, but, you know, honestly, it sort of feels like a little bit like Ant-Man, because... Here's the thing. This season, if if something were to change in this season, probably it would not affect the overall grand schemes of things with this Defenders world or the Avengers world. This is not going to really matter that much, the like the plot here. Um, they're in pretty much in the same positions in their life they were at the end, but it's kind of like just a bump in a journey here. Ant-Man was kind of similar because while it brought a new, very good character to the Avengers universe, it didn't really, like, you know what? If this villain were to have succeeded and Ant-Man would have died, you know what? Tony Stark would have just flown in, go bang, and probably have solved the save the day there. And not much would have changed. And I don't think it would have affected Avengers much. But, hey, you know what? It happened. It was great. I think part of it, though, to, to bring Ant-Man in was a great nod to the original lineup. Because huh. Ant-Man and the Wasp were in the original team. So, Well, how he was not in the original lineup is kind of confusing. There's a lot of confusion. Yeah, you know, like we're going to get into, we talked before the show started, that the... the order of Ant-Man coming in the lineup of the MCU kind of skewed right there. So we'll also have been in, I thought you said, Peter, phase one. Yeah, what we're going to do right now is we're going to go into our main discussion of Ant-Man. And I got to tell you, the thing about this movie is that there is a long and convoluted backstory. And in all honesty, if you really want to know about some of this, look it up on Google. It is, use, use your Google machine, kids. It's it's definitely an interesting uh, backstory. Essentially, Edgar Wright was going to be the original writer of this film. And he was, he was going to be the original director. Different projects happened. And, you know, for example, he started working on Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which is one of my all-time favorite comic book movies. But I digress. And, you know, he goes and does all these different things. 
And, you know, Ant-Man was supposed to be a part of the original Phase 1 of Marvel. And it was supposed to be, you know, I believe Iron Man, Thor, and Ant-Man. And, you know... What you you know what you're saying, Eddie, is absolutely correct. You know, you if, if this is supposed to be the original Avengers or Avengers lineup, he should have been in there. Mm-hmm. And why he's not in there, that's a big missed opportunity, no pun intended. But I feel the idea, you know, not using Ant Man in the original lineup might have had to do with technical limitations at the time, because you know, yeah, you can make you know the over the top, larger than life stuff. But let's be real here, 2008, 2009. Even then, technology, you know, was advanced, and you look at 2007's Transformers and still kind of holds up pretty damn well, even though the movie is complete garbage. But you got to admit, if they were doing the special effects at that time for this, you know, the budget that they would have had, they wouldn't have had, you know, the major budgets they have now. The movie would have looked like plain and simple, you know, and I don't know. I just feel... I think James Cameron actually kind of said it best because James Cameron with the Avatar movies, he pushed that back almost a decade, and he's still pushing it back with the sequels. And I hope he keeps pushing and pushing further. <laughs> I'm not an Avatar fan yeah, whatsoever. Eddie, Eddie, you an Avatar? I remain neutral because I haven't seen you it. You don't like Blue Dancing with Wolves, uh, dude? Yeah. I like I like Blue Mystique. I like Blue Nightcrawler. Um, you know. I, I'm gonna go on a mini tangent. I'm gonna go on a mini tangent right now. I've always found it funny that you know. Avatar is a very unoriginal movie. You know, you just said. But the thing is this. We all have that one complaint. It's Blue Dances with Wolves. We need to think of something better, all of us. <laughs> to be honest, that's not even my complaint with the film. That's my joke with the film. My complaint is, like, I, I just, like, there was no, like, with the Avatar movie, there was no story of, like, a character where he had this profound, like, character development that I really would, like, enjoy. There was none of that, and that's my whole problem with the film. But James Cameron is an absolutely brilliant director. I love Titanic. I Terminator like, 2. And he's also just a cool guy. I mean, the guy, when when he was, like, 30 years old, he was driving a truck, and then he just randomly decided to be a director, and now he's uh, one of the greatest directors of all time. But James Cameron, he just kind of said it best with all of, like, his films. He's like, if the technology's not there, I can wait. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, that doesn't mean you have to be uh, the guy who makes Game of Thrones and wait to write a book for 20 years. <laughs> but, you know, you could be this, like, you can wait the technology. And, you know, watching this film again, because it's on right now, one thing that I really have to say I just loved about this movie was the special effects. In fact, I think this might have been the greatest special effect Marvel film. And it's because it, yeah. it, it sort of has, like, a metal feel to it in terms of, like, Okay, our Ant-Man suit is like like kind of a very like hollow type metal. The ants are kind of like that as well, and they work very well with the environment around them. And by the way, something because I actually just did a little research before we did this, they actually filmed this with the same cameras that they used that Disney used to make Pixar's Bugs Life. So hey, hey that's we got a callback. Like there was a, the same technology, a technological callback, yeah. if you will. And that's not to say there was the film like you know would the would it look this good I don't really know because I I love both King Kong from Peter Jackson I love Kong Skull Island King Kong looked a little bit better I think in 2005 than Skull Island but hey there you go I mean this film's technology was great and I mean you know when you see this movie you're seeing an unlikely lead in the form of Paul Rudd and if we're being honest Paul Rudd was the last person I expected to see cast as a major lead in a Marvel movie. Eddie, when you heard Paul Rudd was going to be picked, what did you think? Oh, really? You know, heard of him, of course. 
well, I'm going to assume, of course, in other things, mostly TV show related. Uh, he was mostly a rom-com kind of guy for like a very brief period. Movie types, yeah. So taking somebody who might not be typically big budget type of thing, you know, and I'm sure they had to respect some kind of a budget to, to adhere to. And, you know, if they could have done things with stuff prior, hey, let's let's try it now here and, you know, out of the park, I think. Can you believe Halloween 6's Paul Rudd got yes. to star in an Ant-Man movie? That's right. That's right. The Halloween movie. One of my favorite uh, things was he was actually supposed to be at Monster Mania a few years ago for a Halloween uh, re- 6 reunion. And it was gonna, he was going to be a part of the panel. Oh, boy. The day he was announced, he canceled <laughs> Whoa. Okay. And they openly That's a middle finger. Well, they basically his he was booked for it, and they immediately canceled because of uh, scheduling conflicts. So that's your standard. I believe this was a year after Ant Man, and it was like him getting ready, I guess, for stuff with you know the Avengers movies and Ant Man. I remember too. him from Friends. That's actually. I mean, I remember from Friends and maybe a few other random comedy movies that weren't that popular. But I knew who the guy was because he just, like, you know, he had, like, kind of a nice personality on him, I thought. I associate him with Apatow, you know, Judd Apatow stuff. Yeah, but I I could not have pictured him in a superhero role because, number one, I didn't think he was physically there. Then I kind of saw, okay, he's definitely beefed up a bit. I still didn't think he had the face for it. And I had to understand the character that he was going more for, like someone who not really he's not tony stark he's more of an average guy i think yeah and, you know, he's a thief he's a criminal well <laughs> he's a menace you know, oh wait that's a spider oh sorry you know, you're fired and it really just worked with the guy like i thought he was I, I thought everything here was great and then when i saw gordon gecko uh aka <laughs> michael douglas uh i was like okay this is this is getting better and then i saw that guy Okay, I'm not going to spoil House of Cards, but that guy who had a bad first season of House of Cards as the villain, I'm like, hey, we got, we got a good cast here. And the only thing I was left complaining with was kind of the guy from House of Cards. Uh, right. the I actually liked him as the villain. I thought he was really phenomenal. Here is my biggest complaint. He dies. Spoiler. Yeah. Uh, by the way, this is this is the, we're, we're we're doing spoilers. In Spoiler for a three-year-old movie. Don't worry, yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Like, because I'm, I'm sitting here, like, you know what? Uh, if you if you are like if you're offended by this spoiler, then you probably still have your Carrie Edwards 2004 stick bumper sticker. Eddie did did Thelma and Louise survive when they jumped or they drove off that thing? No, I mean, shot Mr. Burns. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, but where was I? Uh, oh, I will drop as many hum- Simpsons references as humanly possible oh, on this I, show. Here we go. I steam a good ham. Let me tell you that. <laughs> Uh, is that an Albany thing? It's more of a Utica expression. <laughs> All right, it's, it's upstate. <laughs> All right, but uh, somewhere upstate. But wait, where was I uh, going with this stuff? To the Aurora Borealis. <laughs> Darren Cross. <laughs> okay, uh, okay, okay, but wait. When it comes to um, this whole, like, um, like him as the villain, the fact that he died, because... The one thing, like, and I, there were some villains which in the Marvel movies, I just don't understand why they died. Like, Whiplash did not need to die. You could just put him back in jail. Yeah, and Whiplash was, like, you and I were talking about that during the Iron Man 2 episode. I I was so disappointed when they killed that character off. And it made sense because after you find out afterwards, Mickey Rourke hated being involved. He hated everything about it. Except the paycheck. Yeah, well, he was still complaining. You know, well. but for me, it's more just, like, I've from kind of, like, whenever I see a universe get built, and this is... This goes for the Justice League, which I don't, I don't know if we're gonna get a sequel on that. The uh, hundred million dollar loss mm. for the Avengers. It's like 
when you see these like guys like build up and they do all these movies, you eventually want to get to a point where not the first Avengers, not the second, not the third, but maybe like fourth or fifth. You want to see like the Injustice League. You want to see the anti-Avengers, and you want to see them go head to head. Like, how do they interact with these villains? But you think about it, and the casualty rate on the villains is so high that all I can think about is like. Okay, so Spider-Man obviously has a living villain right now, um, and they're probably going to have more. I, I don't think they're going to kill the Spider-Man villains off. I've always said this about Spider-Man with his uh, rogues gallery when you think about it. He has the most diverse and the most complete. Like, he has many. Like, his his rogues gallery are on par with Batman's in the terms of, you know, success, because we have Dr. Octopus, the Vulture, uh, the Lizard, Venom, Carnage, Electro, Electro uh, the Scorpion, uh, Sandman? Sh- Sandman, Shocker, oh. Hydro Man, kind of. Hydro Man is all in of there, them but more colorful. Also, and, by the way, you guys didn't say Green Goblin. <laughs> <laughs> and Hobgoblin, oh, Red Goblin now. Yeah, no, mm. and uh, I mean, I mean, there is there is obviously that um, Catwoman ripoff, but yeah, Black uh, Black Cat. She's still good. You can have yeah. ripoffs. And then there's, uh, but then like the, the funniest thing is, I mean, it looks like uh, X Men will be joining the Avengers. Uh, that's gonna add a few, I think, solid villains. I mean, Mystique, Magneto. X-Men, welcome to die. I can't wait for that on the big screen. <laughs> you know, there's other ones, too, like uh, I was going to throw in Kingpin, but they, those are, I'm going to say, a crossover villain. I associate Kingpin now more as a Daredevil villain, for being honest, because of the comics and That's the movies. I came up with it, because I only, from the beginning, when I when I started with Spider-Man, I was collecting the reprint title, Marvel Tales, and Kingpin was there. So that's how I first knew of Kingpin before I even got into a Daredevil following. Well, I would love just Kingpin to... Like, you know what? Here's the thing. I think there has to be a crossover with this Netflix Defenders universe. Absolutely. And I would actually like to see how Kingpin, who was made to be such, like, an intense villain that, like, they can't put a PG-13 label on that, and put that into Spider-Man Homecoming 2 or whatever it's going to be called. Or maybe not 2, but, like, eventually just get it there. That car door scene is still one of the most intense things I've ever seen. On par with the prison or the uh, prison fight. Watch this. Yeah. <laughs> no, I... Like, honestly, if you watch it tonight... If you watch it tonight, man, seriously. Then I would get no sleep, as opposed to a little bit of sleep. Yeah, you could watch one episode. <laughs> Actually, when it comes to Ant-Man, so maybe you guys will know this and I don't. Who are the other big villains for Ant-Man? Gigantic shoes. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna guess we're, we're old mother Hubbard. The A list. I don't honestly know who his kind of villains are. I'm 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 a Yiddish comic fan in the sense well, where from what, I, from what I gathered from the story though that was interesting. This might be the reason they didn't go with just making Hank Pym Hank Pym the first like like in, they went with this other guy Scott Lang. But from what I gathered in the comics, some of them are actually kind of darker with Hank Pym's life with his wife. Like, yeah. Some abuse there. Yeah. So is he kind of his own villain to some extent? Yeah, I would say. And, like, they're bringing Hank Pym back in the comics now through Ultron, and it's... He's kind of a villain, and, you know, he is and he isn't in that. You know, in the Infinity Countdown. enemy. Yeah. yeah, essentially. Yeah, no, with, I mean, some, with different roles that he portrayed in the comics, whether it was Ant-Man or... Giant Man or Yellow Jacket himself. If I'm missing somebody, but yeah, and, and went through a psychological, which I, th- I guess then led into the the spousal abuse kind of a theme in there. Yeah, very diverse or you know upsetting character. And that's something I hope they do for the sequel, Ant Man and Wasp, because. I really liked um, Hank Pym in this movie, and I, I really liked Michael Douglas, obviously. But what was 
cool was just like I always like when there's that like hero who's kind of like aged up and you have to accept the fact that he is put on a pedestal but like you dive in and it's like holy shit he's not perfect right yeah yeah I'm looking forward to to this Ant-Man and Wasp movie in in July and they're actually saying Ant-Man and the Wasp will not yeah, I, it's July, July 6th. Oh, I'm excited. Wow. I, thought was, I thought we had a couple of years more on that. Nope. No, it's nope. uh, they're actually doing a prelude comic right now, which is essentially just Ant-Man as an adaptation. But uh, yeah. yeah, but my thing about this movie also, you know, with Ant-Man and the Wasp, it's been confirmed by the director, by the way, that it will not be a romantic comedy like it was speculated. Oh, so, okay. Well, it's got to be. Uh, you know what? That's uh, probably. We don't need another. How one. do you get around it not being part of it? It's got to be. They kissed at the end of this one and all that stuff. What stuff? You know, stuff we haven't seen. You know, um, I, I think, like, there's a way... Like, here's the thing. You know, they could just have a relationship and you can ignore all the awkward romance of it. Like, we don't need to see the first date. We could just say, hey, they're a thing now. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of things that are things in this movie, <laughs> that was a hell of a segue. It's time! Oh, no, it's sorry, not, wrong. Ben. <laughs> but Ant-Man's supporting cast of characters, you know, who were introduced following his issue with Baskin Robbins which by the way I said this on Twitter back in 2015 around New York Comic Con the weekend of New York Comic Con that year Marvel Studios have such a command in pop culture that they got people dressing up as Baskin Robbins employees and calling it cosplaying that's the impact of this Marvel Studios universe I love it that's that's sick cool it is it absolutely is by the way I'm just going to repeat a line we said earlier before we were filming this when it was just on TV that boss who's the Baskin Robbins boss we have all known that guy yeah we all yeah yeah. you know either we've worked for him or we've just known a guy like that and who I don't know who the actor is but he played that guy he probably is that guy in real life too (laughs) you know what he uh, he meaning Paul Rudd Scott Lang had a name tag that said Jack. Now, is that supposed to be a reference to somebody else, or he was just not giving his real name for for that? I don't know. I'm not sure. But, you know, with his cast of characters, you know, surrounding him, you know, the ones who he helps do the heist with, what did you think about the introduction of those characters? The other guys? Yeah. You know what? On a par, on a level, I think, on par with Scott Lang's character and the couple of random, or not so random, introduction of uh, Hispanic-type music, like especially with the opening page turning type of thing opening partially opening credits where it's 1989 and you get you know the the prelude there with Pim and not giving up his particle formula and so on and, and punching the, one of the guys there uh, Carson I think his name was so I think getting those characters in there what was comedic but they also had some purpose yeah, like some functionality. Luis, oh, go ahead. They were the comic relief side characters that a lot of movies and shows have had, and they were like they were not Timon and Pumbaa. They were not like more useful to story. They're not quotable, but man, they did their job. But they had member they had memorable aspects, and with Michael Pena's character Luis, I never saw a character develop such a quick attachment in a fan base as much as his. Yeah. Because when that when his character appeared and he does his rapid storytelling, you know, where he's like twice, yeah. The way he does it, I can't even replicate it. No. But you know, people have said how they you know they should have done a Civil War trailer where he's doing the narration, t- telling people what led up to Civil War. 
and it would have been pretty amazing. They should probably do that with Infinity Wars. If any, like they should still do that. If they were, if anyone in Marvel were to hear that, it's like, okay, we need to make this happen right now. Mm-hmm. Let's do it so. yesterday. <laughs> and it's good the way they did. Not only, of course, Michael Payne is telling the story, but he's the other characters who are involved are mouthing the words in his voice. And that one, was very cool, including Stanley at the end of it. One thing that people, you know, it was a big deal at the time because when this movie came out, the big announcement had come out from Marvel. They didn't realize they were doing this, but they timed it up perfectly. If you remember, he says, we have guys that climb up walls. They were unintentionally nodding towards Spider-Man, but then it went official that month, The movie that, when this movie came out in August 2015. So it's kind of funny that you know they snuck a Spider-Man reference in, and it actually went through, and they're like, oh, shit, we are getting Spider-Man. Yeah, no, we got a guy that jumps, we got a guy that swings, we got a guy that crawls up the wall. Yeah. Well... By the way, who are the guys who jump and swing exactly? Who are those referencing? Because there's guys who climb up walls, but like... I would say Black Widow. She does the swinging. She did it in Age of Ultron. Okay, you could, yeah. yeah. Which somebody actually recently on the Marvel Studios subreddit, they posted a gif of it, and they go, the original web slinger in the Marvel Studios universe, and you see her swinging, and I'm like, ah, I get your reference. I would have, I would have liked if they said we have a guy with claws. That would have been sort of dare, and if they were, you know, but like, but they, been, they could have had many different versions of guys with claws, though. True. I, well, that yep. would have been, yep. that would have been Bob Iger and Disney just saying, look, eventually the mouse will always win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jumps, you could have. I think jumps could have possibly been Hulk, Captain America, even. So they kind of left it. A guy I, with really long legs. Yeah. Exactly right. And but of course Falcons I'm looking for a guy that shrinks. Although in all honesty, you know, by saying something also like a guy um who stretches, you could have had, you know, uh Flatman, I believe, uh from the Great Lakes Avengers. Whoa. Where are you going, Gumby? I don't know. That's a, that's that's an old one. That's a GLA yeah. thing. Uh, wow. I mean, well, it could have also been just a disaster. That oh, was yeah. the first thought. Yes. Yeah, I know, but that's, yeah, that's what that, everyone that's thinks. The obvious one. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. No, I mean but, I mean, when it comes to, like, how he does, like, the flashback thing that's very funny, uh, it's actually funny. They've, they've not used that to market more trailers and things like that, which, I mean, maybe it just takes too long to get him to do it. Because, I, you know, that probably is, like, a line that you got to, like, prep for probably 50 times to say it. Oh, yeah. Then again, it could come naturally to him. What do I know? When you're a comedian, you're doing a routine, you're doing a rapid-fire thing, that's very possible, and you edit it together. But, you know, going to, to references we, we spoke about earlier, when Scott Lang is fired, but he gets to take a uh, mango fruit blast with him, and the manager will pretend he's not looking. He goes into the Milgram Hotel. And that's one of the little things that they included in this movie that I really dug. It's, you know, the tip of the hat to the people that, you know, brought these characters to life. You know, you get Al Milgram, of all people, a reference to. In the comic book community, is a very controversial person because a lot of people hate his art. But the next thing I'm referencing, too, is, is when Darren Cross, who brings in Hank Pym, to, to see what's happened in the time that he has not been there. Uh, talks about the myth of, and the f- old films about there being an Ant-Man who's, you know... Whose tales to astonish. Tales to astonish, he and, says. And see, that's the moment in the movie where every comic geek there pretty much, you know, just pushes into the person next to him. Did you hear that reference? I got that. I got a reference to a comic, and I admit... That's where he started. I admit... <laughs> The person I was with, I was with to see this movie. You did it. Too. I did that too. <laughs> I was that guy. You know, I mean, I'm not the new guy who normally picks up these types of things. I, I have like very little idea like what the Milgram thing was. Like I, but 
when it comes to these little references, it's always like, I mean, one thing is, it's like, where in the creative process do you think these guys like say, you know what, we're gonna give this guy a shout out. We're gonna be like, you you deserve some. Yeah, that's that's the creativity part of it going there. And I would only go so far as say Al Milgram. I know that name from reading comic books. I would see the names in the credits. Not that I would memorize everything. But I'm like, oh, yeah, he's a comic book guy. Whatever, he must have something to do with this. They gave him the nod. Now, drifting away from Ant-Man for a second, what is your all-time favorite creator reference in, you know, a movie? My personal favorite is a tie between – or a movie or a TV show. Mine is a tie between, all right, we have to make a turn on uh, O'Neill and Adams from Arrow. And then also my per- my other personal favorite one featuring friend of the show, Fabian Nicieza, co-creator of Deadpool. You see Nicieza uh, Way or Boulevard on a sign in, a, in uh, the city in Deadpool. So it was cool, you know, seeing stuff like that. for that one, too. I can only think of one of the earlier movies, probably before the MCU started in, in 2008, that had on a, on a movie marquee a couple of major names. Romita was up there, I think. Uh, possibly senior. I'm not sure if it was that or junior. And and versus, it was, I don't think it was Kirby, but you know stuff like that was like, well, that's a drop. You know, if you're if you're not paying attention, it's just like, okay, you got names on a marquee. If it's a fight, could have been the Daredevil movie, possibly. That is, I'm just pulling a straw here, like that. You know, that kind of thing. My favorite is gonna be more back to the Simpsons and Family Guy, just how they make fun of Fox. Oh yeah. It's like you know what you gotta make fun of like the home team, and they've nailed it. I mean, they had a, a character on The Simpsons, like Murdoch, who's clearly supposed to be Rupert Murdoch, who's like a daredevil. It makes no sense how they came up with that. And I just want to point something out. We have uh, Ant-Man right here on the back. They just did the scene where the his uh, aunt died, like his favorite aunt died. Oh, Anthony. Uh, Anthony. Anthony. Yeah, that was a uh, you know, uh, You know, I mean, Eddie, you and I watched the film, and we'll, we'll, we all knew that character was going to die. We knew if there was going to be one casualty. I didn't. Aunt. You, did, you thought Anthony was going to live. <laughs> I thought we were going to get Ant-Man and Anthony, and it was going to be a franchise. We were going to get, you know, lunch boxes. We were going to get bobbleheads. We no, didn't no, get no. any of that. I saw we got a pop that vinyl. At the, Albany com- at the Albany Comic Con we went to recently, Peter and I, that they were selling a, a combo pack of Ant-Man and Anthony. Oh, is it a pop vinyl? No, it was not a Marvel Legends thing, but it was in a, a clear package that was like, okay, fine. Not pop vinyls. Because I remember they had a pop vinyl set, which is pretty awesome. Pop vinyls are everywhere. They are. On the table right now. But the Anthony thing, you know what? He was just an ant, but Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm aware his life expectancy was probably six weeks, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now, what about the life expectancy of the one that became enlarged? What happens to him? We don't know. You know, that's Uh, so. And the 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 Tommy. I read a lot about about biology, and uh, there have been breeds of flies, the Methuselah fly. Where they made some changes to, uh, like, they did various breeding and they were able to go from seven days to about, you know, 64 days is the average. That was busy. Uh, Cynthia Kenyon uh, at UCLA, she took earthworms. She actually changed the genetics of living earthworms and made them live 10 times as long. So, you know, we, we could all live forever, by the way, if her research continues to work, because it was pretty simple stuff she did. But Freddie Mercury said it best. Who wants to live forever? I'm going to say me. <laughs> but, me too. But the thing is, though, with the giant ants, so because it's bigger, because I, I have a Yorkshire Terrier, Yorkies live longer than Golden Retrievers. Smaller dogs tend to live longer because less organ issues than large ones. So... That thing would have had some organ issues and probably been dead in like four hours. <laughs> so just keep that in mind. 
Now, also, speaking of, you know, scenes that are happening on the screen as we're talking, one of my favorite moments in the MCU is the incorporation of, according to South Park's greatest album ever made, The Cure's Disintegration, which plays during the scene between Yellow Jacket and Ant-Man fighting, you know, while they're super microscopic like in a helicopter suitcase. helicopter in a suitcase, yeah, yeah. And... I got to say, like, that, again, is one of those, why did they go with that song? But also, just, you know, it, w- it was just a cool thing to incorporate, you know? Yeah, it was. It was It was smart to do that with the technology and put and it in there like that, sure. It was just funny. And something you could easily relate to. If you have a, a phone and it's misinterpreted what you're saying into it, there you go. And you get into a fight, you know, with your arch rival in, you know, microscopic suits while, you know, Robert you Smith plays. say is an asshat. I'm going to make one small complaint here about uh, Yellow Jack, because now that I'm looking at it right now, so Ant-Man's suit, I actually think it looks better than Iron Man's suit. It really just is perfect. It's, like, it's something that's like, it doesn't feel CGI. It feels very, like, this is a real suit. Yeah, whereas Iron Man essentially looks like, you know, he's a video game character. Yeah. Is as good as Ant Man's suit. No. I think there it's a lower quality there. It's industrial Ant Man. Yeah, and it's, it's sometimes actually kind of like disappointing because I think they could have done a better job with that suit. And I think the problem was they never really like outside of like maybe thirty seconds of scenes, they never really expected anyone to look at it on like the large scale. So that's probably the problem. Well, now that you mention that, Charlie, I think about Yellow Jacket and the Bug Zapper, and he was shrieking because he was getting zapped, and then he's back in in the. In the Lang, well, not the Lang household, but I was going to say the Lang mobile. I mean, it probably would have killed him, but once again, like, he somehow got out of that bug zapper. I don't know. know. The life expectancy of ants is four hours on the giant scale. So, oh hey, he's right there. Uh, See what I mean? <laughs> it's like a, it's almost like a Halloween costume, like you know, a maybe mid two thousands horror movie costume. Yeah, no. Well, also let's just point something out here. So, uh, what is the name of the guy who's like the stepdad, who's person, you know, the cop? Sleeping with his ex-wife. Like, what's his name? Does anyone know that? It escapes me now. So Big McLarge Huge. So he's on the show uh, <laughs> Master of None. Uh, he played a character there. And, you know, he played, like, a very similar version, like, of what, what he is here. Like, this guy just plays a jackass, I think, in every role he's cast in. I think he's, you can tell he's definitely a character actor. But he, he's a lovable... Ju- thing is, the thing is, like, he, the thing is, like, in, um... Uh, Master of None, he played a lovable jackass who turns out to do some kind of Kevin Spacey stuff. Uh, in this show, in this thing, he's a lovable jackass who gets even more... It's like, okay, he's a nice guy. Like, deep down, he cares. I think it's uh, Bobby... Uh, Moynihan! Oh, wait, no. Cannaval? Carnival. Was was his character in the comics at all? Are you guys aware, familiar with that? Yellow Jacket? No, 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 no. Oh, sorry. jackass. The cop, the jackass guy. Well, yellow jacket's a different type of jackass, but he's uh... yellow jacket was a distortion. I think it's a different, you know, different version for the movie than was in the the comic books because he was a good person. Good, he was a superhero. He was a babyface, not a heel, uh, not a villain. But my my uh, thing is not a crook. once again, you know, you get the sense of the remnants of Edgar Wright's version of this movie, and you know, I also say again the usage of the Cure's plain song, you know, because Edgar Wright is a filmmaker who's very heavily reliant on music, and music plays a major part in his movies. Like, if you've ever seen Baby Driver, that immediately, like, springs to mind. Baby Driver is a movie that somehow... Baby Driver with um, Ensel, Eckerd, and Kevin Spacey and a bunch of other people. That's an out-of-business drugstore, isn't it, Eckerd? Maybe. (laughs) 
<laughs> but what I like about it was, you know, that uh, Baby Driver was essentially a musical, but wasn't trying to be. Or Baby Finsta. And, you know, going also with just the level of physical comedy in this movie, in Ant-Man, I love the concept of how, you know, things are larger than life when you're, you know, in the ant size and they they just look completely pathetic or over the top when it's, you know, zoomed back like this is what it actually looks like. And for me, the go-to scene is the train scene with the Thomas the Tank Engine toys. Oh. And you see, like, this intense battle in the train tracks and then you just see the train track fall over, or the train fall off the track just... Well, like, it's nothing. Well, first off, like, I'm looking at that scene and I'm just thinking, you know what? If I had this suit, like, the detail, when I clean, the detail of cleaning I'd have with this suit. Like, I could get, like, all those little, like, things when cleaning. I mean, you could probably draw stuff. And it's it's very cool. But, like, but, you know, I actually loved how they showed, like, they showed the perspective as well. Because it, it's really just funny. And, uh, hey, there's the giant ant, by the way. Um, and here comes the giant choo-choo. Oh, oh man, the giant train. Man, to- man gigantic Thomas. Thomas. Way to go. I wonder how Mr. Conductor's doing. <laughs> oh, man. Spoken like a true Thomas the Tank Engine fanboy from back in the day. <laughs> uh, you know, that was like a franchise for me when I was a kid. I was like, you know, I can't watch this show, but, man, those, those, those damn trains are collectible. I had, I had almost all of them at one point, and I had also the rare lead paint ones. Yeah, I was <laughs> before uh, yeah. the recall. Let's, yeah, let's not let's. Uh, that's, that's an interesting one there. Also, you know, I mean, this, that I had lead paint toys. Yes. <laughs> also, you know, this ant that's gonna get loo- loose. This giant ant, like, I mean, I, I kind of hope that like, you know, they can get like a few of them out there and they can start a species and that could be like <laughs> Avengers fourteen, like the ant Tony versus the ants, <laughs> the ant colony, like the. Gi- that would be like a very like human one. It would be like, there's no okay. We're not gonna do a villain this time. It's like so we apparently overlooked it, and all of Northern California right now is currently occupied by giant ants. They've killed about three hundred thousand people. So we need to get this fixed up. I would watch that movie. No, I mean they, they did that. Nineteen fifty four. It was called Them, well, not Us. Them with an exclamation point. Well, I, I would actually and a fortune love, cookie. I mean, because. You know, it's something you don't think about, but I would actually love like an, like one of these movies, like like I mean, hell, it could be Ant Man. Hell, hell, if they were to do an Ant Man movie where like one of the sequels where all it was was they turned like a, a a bug or a lizard into Godzilla. Wow, we really had that on him. Uh, this was a movie. Them, like I said, black and white. James Whitmore. It's it's it has to do with uh, the days of you know in in those times the radiation and that kind of uh, fear going on, and my mom who was a sci-fi fan had told me about this movie somewhat and she was into that. What a cool poster to show to the podcast listening audience, Eddie. <laughs> Don't you love it? Good thing I don't know how to make the noise that they would make while they were approaching. Uh, I have a few questions how that was on file for you. Uh, but that's, that's <laughs> Just a coincidence. Otherwise, it would have been right up here on top of the desk, on the uh, table. But, no, but, like, I, I would actually like it if they just did a film where the villain doesn't... Because, you know, Marvel, I think we can all agree that Marvel villains are not the strongest for the most part. Or... Yeah, they, Lastable there's some, there's or some serious weaknesses in the comics and, and translated into film... And, you know, to whatever extent that they come back or they only last a couple of issues, you know, that's just inevitability, I mean, somewhat. I would like it if they did one film where I don't know who it would be. Probably Ant-Man, actually, because it would make the most sense. Or Aunt May. 
Let's well, make it Aunt May not. Oh, but if we did like uh, but if there was Maggie like, May, if there was like just an animal villain, and that's uh, like Man Wolf. There you go. But like Annie Wolf or Cap Wolf, the son of J. Jonah Jameson. Not Cap Wolf. The astronaut that. Man Wolf. Not not Cap Wolf. Not Cap Wolf. I want Cap Wolf. No. It would. Well, let's see. I mean, the other like I'm just trying to actually think here, but you know, it's it's like one of those things. But like I'm trying to think of like another. And this actually kind of relates to Jessica Jones, because uh, something I will spoil in uh, season two. I don't, I don't, I'm not no, listening. No, it's not going to be a big spoiler. The villain is not going to be like a Kilgrave type that's evil. The that's what I've heard. The villain of circumstance. I would like if Marvel did a movie where there was more of a villain who they can't... It's just is, Jessica, is Jessica's villain that season Cirrhosis of the Liver? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, actually, that, that season's, that's season seven. But she's heading there. She does not slow the drinking down either. <laughs> and one of the things also, once again, you know, going back to as we're watching this movie playing in the background, one of the most interesting scenes was the scene where he's going in between the particles at the very end of the film. Subatomic. Subatomic. And, you know, when they were talking about this movie leading up to it, people were saying, you essentially are getting a sneak preview of Doctor Strange through Ant-Man with the, I you know. I was thinking you were getting a, a doorway to that. And plus referencing the quantum realm and right there i said realm is that one of the nine realms of that nah, probably not though but you know and it was just cool with, with thor seeing this movie in 3d back in 2015 that was one of those moments where i'm like this was worth the extra money to pay in 3d this was worth seeing in this format because otherwise yeah. mm -hmm. there are movies where you know warner brothers is incredibly guilty of this you go see a movie you do 3d and nothing of value is there. When I went to go see Wonder Woman, I said, no, I'm not doing two, uh, 3D for this. I'm doing 2D, and I know there's going to be less 2D showings, but I don't care. And, like, and, you know, and just about bringing things in and going to other directions where Cross is selling his technology to the guy who, the guy who <laughs> Hank Pym had punched it early in the film, Carson, and brings in some agents from Hydra. So there's another thread kind of perpetuating through some of these movies. And I would say, yeah, just, again, the incorporation of showing that this universe is not that small. You know, it's big, but still, they all interact with each other, you know? Small, like, like Ant-Man. Yes. <laughs> Granted, he can become big, too. Which we find out, and that was... Which a, we will find out a, next week. A delight to see. I thought it was like, oh, my God. You know, kind of a geek moment, if you will. Giant man! You know, we knew he could do this. Hey, save it for next week, Eddie. In there, but it'll be there. Don't you worry about that. When it came to uh, Ant, like when it came to Ant Man as a character, with well, actually, here's something I, I didn't uh, understand fully. So, Hank Pym, there's physical reasons he can't be Ant Man anymore, correct? Correct. In in is that he, for Scott Lang, or is he like, yeah, you'll fit, you'll get these issues in five years, but we'll have a good five years. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think he brought up exactly why. You know, he can't do it physically. It took a toll on him. The suit, the the well, when you shrink and enlarge, and I mean, hey, that that probably has some kind of five year you know, five mental, if nothing else, because you know, part of it when you get a good five Scott, years when Scott did go shrink down subatomic between the molecules. I did think of another tangent. I'll get to in a second, or a possible entry to another thing. He's hearing. Hank Pym's voice as he's shrinking and, and still getting smaller and smaller and he's saying as you shrink for all eternity I mean I don't know how H Hank knows this kind of thing and then there's of course the possibility that 
the original Wasp, Janet, would you know possibly come back. The other thing I thought of was another character in the Marvel Universe, or the Microverse, I believe it was called, the Micronauts, who existed, you know, in their own very very tiny small subatomic world. Oh, stop and with the small puns. By the by, the second or third issue of that nineteen eighty, you're bigger than this, Eddie. Damn right have come to Earth. I think the cover of the comic book being in front of a handheld lawnmower about to be run over, you know, a Croyer and and the rest of them, Commander Ran, yeah, and Marionette. So, you know, going into other, other territory, I think it, you know, it weaves very well into. The other thing I noticed when the Tim Technology building blew up, it was an implosion. Where'd it go? I was thinking of, uh, like, Thor, possibly Dark World, where it gets sucked into who knows where. Same thing happens when Yellow Jacket is destroyed and he, you know, dies. Who knows? Maybe he can come back too. What I actually, when I saw the film, because we saw the film together, and then I was actually kind of like, because I always sort of, whenever there's a new Marvel film, that's when I actually start to think of the previous one. What I thought the, not necessarily this shrinking infinitely, but. I mean, in the in the uh, Civil War, which that was the film following this, in the Civil War comics, there's the the whole jail that there that Tony Stark's keeping them in. What I thought was going to happen was the jail was going to be the shrunken down world in Ant Man. I thought it was going to be like oh. the jail. The jail is like in Stark Tower, but the jail is as big Very as an ant. Or you, well, sure. I, I actually was kind of like you know maybe they're going to do something like that, but you know they didn't and. Uh, Hey, Civil War was awesome, but you guys are gonna have that next week. And yeah, we got a, I got a bone up on that one. That's sure. Civil War. You're gonna cross bone up on that one. Oh, good one. Yes. But I would say it's definitely a very, uh, it's it's a culmination, which is ironically what you know this upcoming month's movie is going to be a certain uh, war. But I digress. Oh, we lead right into yeah. Do you feel going with a humorous tone was the right? tone to go for for a character like Ant-Man. Yes, because you're introducing somebody who is really completely new, and I don't think you want to get too heavy and and uh, not depressing, but just too too serious about where this one's coming from. But have some joviality in there and, uh, and banter and Michael Pena, yeah, on that one. I just feel that, you know, the post-credit scene, which was basically just a scene from Civil War directed by the Russo brothers, it was such a stark contrast from what the rest of the movie was. It just, it Tony, took me out. Tony, So, Yeah. <laughs> Stark country. I, I got you're you. Talking about, you're, you're talking about the post-credit, not the yeah, mid-credit the, scene. I'm talking about the post-credit scene involving Falcon, Bucky, and Cap. Yes. So, here's what I'll say about the tone of the film. I don't think the humor was overwhelming. Like, for Thor Ragnarok, I liked it a lot at first. Now I'm kind of sitting there like, you know, it wasn't that good. It felt too funny. And this is like, you know, this, this there's a serious story going on here, but these are all playful characters that can enjoy it, and like, you know, they're not going to... And that's partly because I don't think they're taking it like this is the end of the world. Like, I think that, like... Like, I feel like if they failed at their mission, they're like, okay, what are we going to do tomorrow? Uh, no one dies and things like that, but, well, besides Anthony, but... And also Cross. Charlie, you're saying that with multiple viewings of Ragnarok, you got... You know, actually, the opposite. I think I, I've, actually only, I've only seen it once, but okay. it's just like. It, but reflecting, I really liked it. But reflecting, I'm like, you know what? I wish there was less comedy here. I wish they, I wish they toned the comedy back about forty percent, and that would have been like Ant Man. 
Uh, I think Ant-Man, like, I like the humor, but it's like, uh, sometimes I want the story to be a little bit more serious. You're most likely on the same interpretation when I first saw it. I said, this is too over-the-top funny. It wasn't as serious. It was needing to, to it, it, it sounded like it eclipsed, or it went it went over the top. It went further than Guardians did with the, yeah. with the comedic. But then I, with a couple more viewings, I kind of got, okay, okay, this is, all right, I can. It's still better it than better. Dark World. Well, well, colonoscopies well, are better. Recorded colonoscopies are much better well, than well, Dark the World. The two Thor films were just... Well, um, my friend Dave Perez, um, who's a big fan of these movies, he said the, the review of the first two Thor films that I think stands out. It's like, that was enjoyable. I'll never watch it again, but it was enjoyable. Yeah. And though that's that's how I review the four films. Now, like, in uh, with Ant-Man, I could watch that 15 years from now and probably still enjoy it. That's the thing. And this was... When I was getting ready to watch this movie, this was actually my second viewing ever. And ironically, when we get to our rankings and everything of the movies, you'll hear where this falls. And it's funny because the more things change, the more they stay the same as well. So I digress, but... No, no, you're I, fine. I didn't think I would enjoy this film again as much as I did the second time. And with the second viewing, I'm like, wow, I actually really enjoy this. And I think also I just was more of an... It was more of an intense viewing because I was watching it ironically on the smallest form possible my cell phone and I just thought you know the idea of it was it's it's a yeah I mean it's it's a movie comparable with the Iron Man movie the first one it's just a good origin story solid action from top to bottom great humor great cast interaction and we haven't talked about one character in this movie Evangeline Lilly's character Sorry, who becomes yes. the Wasp. Yes, exactly. Um, what did you guys think of her? Strong character, has to get tough, I guess. The the relationship between her and her father, Hank Pym. Her jealousy, whether of, it was because was of great. Or, or because of his of her mom dying, I don't know. You know where that came about, but it almost seemed to be estranged because you find out early on would it kill you to call me dad. So, I think that. Uh, discussed a little bit earlier about how there is this darker side of Hank Pym. Just kind of hints on that. Um, I think of her character overall, like I, I go to the gym every day. I see, you know, girls who are pretty intense in shape, girls who can kick my ass. She definitely fit in with that vibe. She was in great shape for the role. I mean, she was definitely a strong female character. One kind of complaint I'm going to have is less of the film and more of just Marvel as a whole. I c maybe they should have done Ant-Man and Wasp before Infinity War because, hey, I think she could have been a great add-on to that team as well. Hey, maybe, I mean, I actually, she probably will not be playing Wasp in that movie, but I think it would have been great. So, I don't know, maybe, maybe that was a mistake on uh, Marvel's part in terms of the arrangement, but uh, honestly, in some ways, uh, like, if she got a little bit more attention, I think she could have been my favorite character in the film. Yeah. The trailer for the movie is a good, you know... Well, besides Anthony. Yeah. Absolutely. A good representation of her. I think it was a really well done trailer, which it needs to be to to generate the interest and the buzz and everything. Yeah, buzz like ants. Absolutely. The. Um, I like the other comedic effect that Michael Pena had because he was told, "There's no whistling. You know, you're going to be the security guard. We're going to get in here, and he's whistling. It's a small world." Did Disney? Yeah. Yes. I kid you not. And I'm like, I completely really? forgot that. That. That's why I take notes, <laughs> and hopefully remember that, to mention them. Mm -hmm. All right. You, you really, you really did your homework on that note sheet. Oh, you, well, you know. That's what I do. No, but I mean, well, what okay, about Mark Henry. By the way, what about the other side characters? Because uh, we were discussing the ex-wife, who the actress who plays her. I do not know her name. Greer. 
she plays essentially the same character in every movie. Yeah, whether it's like or the or wedding TV planner show. or like on Arrested Development. It's like that kind of Judy Greer, sorry. That kind of attractive, not as attractive as the main character girl who has the same personality, like kind of miserable but not totally. She's miserable. got steady work. She's she's a part she's the one connection between all these different television cinematic universes. No, no, honestly, she should just be in everything. Like like it should be the same person. Think about it. If you, um, it's a spoiler for next week's episode, but if you notice, the Russo brothers snuck a vehicle in Civil War during the airport fight. They snuck the stair car from Arrested Development in the background. So, technically, they're linked together. Uh huh. You know that that was just if too you much get fun. it, because I have not. I'm not, I'm not connected to Arrested, Arrested Development. Development. You've yeah. never seen Arrested Development? Oh, no. There you go. I, oh. I, I've seen clips of it. It's I know her so, character. It's so good. You well, said I mean, you said a vehicle. I was thinking of the tank keychain. Well, actually, you know, you know, do you guys know Patrick Warburton? He was yeah. the actor who played David Putty on Seinfeld. He, he was the tick. He was the tick. He was. Yeah. He was. He uh, what's his like three? Right. He was. What's his name from? Uh, he, he was Joe Swanson. Joe Swanson from Family Guy. Yeah, she is essentially the female version of him because she's in everything but not a lot of people know her yeah again a character actress yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but like I mean well he is the ultimate actor I mean I, I am waiting for the day that like some he gets that role that like nominates him for best actor in, in the Oscars kind of like Sam Rockwell right now who just got you know won an Academy Award yeah I know but like him it's more of just like because it was weird because like I, it was actually the Lemony Snicket show that I really was like you know what is his name I've seen this guy in a million things I've heard him voice act who the hell is he and I now you're just reminding me to check out that show <laughs> you know it's not that good um, I was watching it because it was more of just like you know I wonder if they did better than the, the first one which I did not like they did better but they didn't do that good only so slightly yeah, well no they did actually a lot better but not not. In, I really hated that in other movie uh, no but Patrick Warburton I, I, who would Patrick Warburton be in the comic universe it could be DC or Marvel if we're being honest an older Superman no I'm feeling like just I by think, the look of him maybe yeah I, I would see that because sure. I like a George Reeves Superman no, you gotta get like the voice down and you have to get something that like fits the personality he, that's a tough one he could he honestly I like to see him as like a look is there any like character that's like a villain that's supposed to be like almost like a talk show host? Booster Gold, but why not? Uh, I don't know. I was, Booster Gold of, uh, is blonde. I was going from talk show host to Barker, and I'm thinking of Arcade and his. Uh, so, you know. I could see him as a spy. Actually, no, he would not be a good Jay Jonah. No, no. You just meant you just mentioned Arcade. Yeah. And for me. This is not an X-Men podcast, but we're probably going to cover the X-Men movies down the line eventually once we run out of these. But I've always thought the perfect person to play Arcade would be Jim Carrey. Sure. Sure, I yeah. can see that, absolutely. Well, I also just brought up Jay Jonah, and, you know, it's really hard to actually picture someone not named J.K. Simmons playing that role, but the guy who played House... Hugh Laurie, yeah. Hugh Laurie, I was thinking the same thing. Then again, I feel like, you know, he could also do Green Goblin really well. Uh, hey, anything better than, uh, you know, I'm sort of a scientist myself. He stunk on ice. You know, everyone's allowed a bad one. I mean, hell, Michael P. Jordan. He's, he's, he was, uh, at one point, uh, the Human Torch. Granted, he was not the problem with that movie. Everyone else was. Everything else was. Oh, that thing with no pants. And Come on. And the weenie boy voice. 
Oh. So, so the director got replaced uh, with Ant-Man, though. Yeah, Edgar Wright. I, I, you know, I wish maybe more directors would get, kind of get replaced and, like, they'd realize it's not the end of the world because Fantastic Four, like, apparently that director was just doing a terrible job. He was doing coke on set, apparently. Yeah, he had to get his under a deadline and had to get this thing done, so well, it was... And then he blamed slap chop he, bla- he blamed Fox for the film, and then you know it was kind of like, no, he wasn't the. They actually kind of said we are not the problems, um, and he also had to cut an hour out of his own creation because they said it was just not a film. <laughs> and, and I was I when it comes to the, when it came to Fantastic Four because you have said you have yet to see it. Um, I mean. I, I'm gonna give the uh, I'm gonna give a review that like I give of a lot of movies. It's like it, it was a film. The director tried to the best of his ability to make a film while having absolutely no idea how to tell the story. <laughs> well, I mean, you don't even get to hear the everything was everything you could think about was wrong with that movie. So no, it's clobber in time. Well, it's amazing that Ant-Man, who's kind of like a character, well, it's actually amazing the whole Marvel universe that like like Iron Man. Thor, Ant-Man, guys who really were not the forefront of, like, I mean, comic fans love them, but, like, the general public didn't really know them that well. Or care, to be honest. Yeah, they become the biggest hits, but the guys who they do know, Fantastic Four, they got blown to pieces. And, I mean, actually, it's funny, because Ant-Man, I believe, made more money at the box office than the Justice League just did. Which is not hard. Whoa. Okay. But my thing is, you know... We're going to go start to wrap the movie up, but one of the things about this movie I always found interesting was Stan Lee, for many years when he was going to Hollywood pitching Marvel movies, the one movie he would go to and the one he wanted to see the most made was Ant-Man. And it's interesting because it's not a popular character. It's not, you know, an A-list character. And still, even though he's in the movies, he's still a B-list character. You know, he made a lot of money, but still... Are you really, you know, going to be like, oh, wow, Ant-Man? No, you're not. But it's awesome to see a character that Stan, you know... What year was Stan pitching this? Was this... this was in the 1990s, still. Okay, so this is like in a time where the, none of these effects would have happened. It would have, it would have looked like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. And I don't think it would have worked very well. well I mean, I think they would have had to go one of two routes... One would be a full-on comedy, like this is like like Thor Ragnarok is serious. Right. Or the second one is like they would just have to not kind of fuse the effects where like when he's small, he's small, and when he's big, he's big. But it, it, I don't know. It's a, kind of like an interesting process here, but yeah, I really like the film. And uh, I mean, he's still a B-list character, but you know, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. He's the small character, but he uh, does packs a big punch. And see, you know, speaking of small things, I get it. I like the fact that they, you know, did a tip of the hat to SNL. I don't know if either of you guys noticed this, but Garrett Morris shows up. And in the 1970s, during the original five seasons of SNL, Garrett Morris would play Ant-Man. So they did a little bit of a throwback to the 1970s sketches and had him make a cameo when Ant-Man crashes on top of somebody's car and gets large again. That's why I know the yeah. guy from... And yes, Chris, okay. And, Christ- and Christopher Nolan wouldn't even let Adam West into Dark Knight Rises. In the interest of fairness, DC wouldn't let... Or Warner Brothers and DC would not let him in the movies, oh. and it bothered me. The, why was yeah. that? Because it... 
I will tell you off mic why. I'm not going to say on mic why, but... Well, I mean, they let they let Senator Patrick Leahy of Vermont, <laughs> Senator of Vermont, into the Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, and Batman vs. Superman. And the animated series. They let him in there? Yep. The senator is in that. Well, what does he yep. play? He, I forgot who he plays, but he plays, I think, uh, the mayor of Gotham in some scene or something. Somebody. I forgot. Well, I mean, that was his, I guess, claim. It's funny because he probably has more claim to fame than, from that than any work in the Senate. And he is, I believe, uh, the second oldest member of the Senate right now. Or longest serving member. So that's, 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 for anyone who wants to get into politics, comics is where you become legend. Evidently. Uh, yeah, and, I don't, and as someone who has spent a lot of time on both, I will agree, comics, you become legend. You become part of the present from politics, but if you want to become a legend, you go into comics. Before we go, let's talk, you know, let's wrap up and go with what we thought of the movie, rankings, all that good shiznit. So for myself, I'll go first. When I saw this movie for the first time, this was in August, I believe, 2015, and I ranked it in the top three at the time. Above Avengers, above Winter Soldier... And as of this recording, right now, when we're going through up to now, this is in the top three. And as a Star-Lord fanboy, it's very hard for me to do this. I'm flip-flopping. I'm still, like, I might do an Eddie. Oh boy. I might be tying this right now because this might be tied in the number one spot. And yes, I'm going with Winter Soldier as a technical number two. Because right now, what is tied is Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant-Man for me in my top whatever. But it does have its weaknesses, but not many. It passes the Star Wars test in that I can turn this movie on maybe 15 minutes later, you know, step away and stop watching, but still get what's going on. And it's just a fun movie. And, you know, we're the movie has been over for a little while now, but we're watching the DVD menu screen. But With other it's scenes, fun so to watch. Yeah. It's, yeah, it is. And... That's something you can't really say about menu scenes, which is funny. But it's a fun movie. It's entertaining. It's got a lot of heart to it. You know, football in the groin had a football in the groin, but Ant-Man in, you know, in the Ant-Man had an Ant-Man in it. So I'm, I'm just slurring my words now. But I would say overall Ant-Man, five out of five. Wow. And when I do my rankings, you'll hear what I think. Eddie? We just didn't hear what you thought now? Yeah. Well, no, what do you think? Yeesh. You want me to go now? Yeah. I'm, I'm looking yes, at the I'm looking at the rankings. Yeah, I know. Not the, not the last shall be oh, first. Man, you wrote down a scoreboard? So, I got to keep it on a list. I'll tell you what. Yeah. It's Peter Swalt. I tell, yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I try to factor in all things. Well, before you seen, get into your rankings, so what do you on, think of it? Just in general. I think it holds its own. It doesn't quite measure up to some of the solid, meaning more, um, let's say more important, but more established characters like a Thor, like a Captain America, like an Iron Man, core characters that people know more than, than an Ant-Man and a new introduction to it. But I think it's fun. It's it's more lighthearted. It does have ties to the other films, and it, so it's so nicely together. So I have it as a tie but it's not at as high as a ranking as you have it really yeah i went with a four and a half okay yep but is it tied with it's where is it in your pyramid ranking it's it's tied for me with iron man 2 whoa that's, wow come on, that's man. an insult oh, 
I, <laughs> I have, you know. I Boo this man. I Boo. Have it, I have it below the tie of Thor and Captain America First Avenger. Oh, that's sad. So I'm, I'm next? Yes, you are. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I thought the movie absolutely blows. No, no. I, I was just like, get away. You're, you're after, killing me. Get away. After this, after this whole conversation, that would be like kind of a weird. <laughs> if I just said, it really sucked. I hate this movie. Especially when he got sucked into the vacuum cleaner, so it really sucked. You're Screw right. you. Oh, Screw oh, Paul oh. Rudd. Now, so what I thought of the film was I'll, I'll first off give my number before I um, get into it. Uh, so when we first actually came here, before you got here, and it was Eddie and I just talking. I, I actually said 3.5, but like watching it again on just the screen and actually thinking about it more. And again, the Star Wars viewing. I might actually bump it up to like a 4.5 because I'll be honest, I, I've watched a lot of like the Marvel films like a second time, like or sort of like had it in the background. I actually enjoy this one in the as something to watch in the background while I'm doing other things, probably more than the Avengers, which means a lot. Yeah. Now, what I really liked about the film was I thought it was a simpler plot. It felt like a comic book or an episode of show that's just really well done. I'm, I'll break it down a little bit more. The effects are, I think, actually probably the best effects in, in this universe because they're simple, but they work. For the characters, you know, it's, it's very weird. I like the side characters. I like the daughter. I like the asshole guy. I <laughs> uh, don't really care for the villain. Even but what about Judy Greer? Star Lord, man, oh. legendary outlaw. <laughs> oh, forget it. Pew pew. I'm gonna say this. I uh, I'll give this a lot better than Iron Man too. Yeah, Eddie. <laughs> I'll Whatever. This, but I'm gonna here's the thing. I'm gonna count Daredevil and Jessica Jones into this because they're Marvel. Yeah. So I'm gonna say this. Uh, one of my favorite Marvel films. Uh, I prefer it to Guardians. Prefer it to I think all the Thor films. Prefer to the maybe. Tied with Iron Man 1, maybe. Um, I think I like Spider-Man Homecoming in the first Avengers more. I was expecting you to say Spider-Man just now. No, no, I like Spider-Man Homecoming and the Avengers more. And probably Civil Civil War, I think, a little bit more. And Winter Soldier. But this, but, but the other thing is this. This is the most rewatchable film. Yes. Because I can't watch Civil War. Like, I can't come 30 minutes into Civil War and, like, watch it. This is the most rewatchable one and I hope they continue that. I hope Ant-Man and Wasp is not like going to be the bigger plot and I hope th- honestly I hope they don't change much like with Thor I was like you got to change Shim 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 now with this I hope they don't really change that much I hope that, I hope it's Steve has the same lighthearted tone you know what as Charlie's mentioning rewatch I'm looking at the order of these movies came out the order that we're watching them Ant-Man is the most recent one that has now been on you know FX or AMC, and they so showed on AMC. We, uh, maybe some, maybe even older than that. Maybe I'm thinking the wrong name. TNT, possibly as well as FX. But this is the last one that I've seen be out there, and you can see it. You know, if it's a superhero movie in the theaters, they're going to show other superhero movies, a marathon kind of thing. So the this Ant Man movie and the ones before that are now seen regularly, and we'll in our house have them on. So scenes, lines, you know, start really saturating in my brain and everything like that. That's one ugly dog. For me going forward now with the next, what, four films, I've only watched them twice maybe. Yeah, same here. uh, So I I really have to pay attention more and get more out of them. And Charlie mentioned with Civil War, I've watched bits of Civil War. The thing I've watched the most as a diehard Spider-Man fan and as a Peter, 
I've watched the Spider-Man scenes mostly. I can't really watch the other ones. I've watched maybe the opening scene with, you know, de-aged RDJ, but otherwise, eh. But, yeah. I'm trying to think of any real mistakes this film made. And I I mean, the villain, I think, the problem with the villain is I just, they just didn't really spend much time on him. And the other thing was I just don't think he should have died. I think they, I think if they. He may not have. You well, know, he went, he went uh, subatomic, possibly. Or imploded. Well, that's, I mean, it's possible. Uh, I mean, let's see. Other complaints, you know, like, I think the one complaint would be, this is a really big nitpick. Maybe they didn't take enough risk with it, and that's why there's so few complaints. But then again, it's like, I don't really want them to be, I don't want them to kill off characters randomly here. Yeah. Uh, I don't want Gwen Stacy to die here. Uh, snap <laughs> a big a big risk I thought very significant one with going with this character well I, th- I do I partially disagree with you in regards to the level of the character with Yellow Jacket when you see him you know testing out the shrinking ability and he kills the car- you know the people and the sheep that was that was good I feel like that was the most gruesome way to kill somebody oh. in the Marvel Universe it was disgusting well, no, and I actually think he was better when he was not yellow jacket that's actually the biggest yeah. thing like like I mean and that that actually then comes down to the suit because we yeah. all agree the suit is just not as well developed as Ant-Man's suit but you know I think everything here was pretty solid I'm trying to think of like any like real nitpicks I have with this movie and there's there's not many like you know I mean the Avengers which I think is a better movie I think pretty much everyone can sort of agree to some extent. I disagree okay you can disagree <laughs> I could find more nitpicks with the Avengers, and that might be because there's more going on, and it's hard to juggle all of that. Yeah. But this was juggling like one ball, and hey, they they did it well. So now, what I'm going to do is my ranking overall for the movies. Let's see, pulling it up on my cellular phone. Glad stalling you asked for t- me. Stalling for time, Not so coming. Stalling. All right, so for my rankings, coming in at number 11 is Thor The Dark World, number 10, Iron Man 2, number 9, Incredible Hulk, number 8, Iron Man 2, number 7, Captain America, The First Avenger, number 6, Avengers, Age of Ultron, number 5, Avengers, number 4, Thor, number 3, Iron Man, number 2, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and tied at number one, Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant-Man. And yes, I realize that there are going to be people saying out there in listening land, what the- how dare you go with Ant-Man over Winter Soldier? Well, folks, I don't know if you know this, but movies are subjective, just like all art forms. I'm allowed to my opinion, much like Eddie's allowed to his opinion, much like Charlie's allowed to his opinion, much like Archduke... Archie Fr- Binks for the win. Much like Archduke... Fr- <laughs> Okay, I'm not allowed that opinion. No one is. Wow. But, well, maybe Ahmed Best, slightly, just a little. But, yeah, so that's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. As well, you should. He's happy. (laughs) He's happy. Go for me, he does. Uh, So, Eddie, let's hear your overall from the bottom to the top. From the bottom to the top, go in reverse order that I'm accustomed to. Okay. Uh, Excuse bottom, me, princess. The bottom of the pile. Oh, princey, run home. <laughs> the bottom of the pile with a three and a half Thor the Dark World. From there we go to... You can only go up from here. A four, and that's the Incredible Hulk. At four and a quarter, tied, Iron Man three, 
and Avengers Age of Ultron. At a 4.5, the newly ranked Ant-Man. Ant-Man. With Iron Man 2. You keep that hyphen to yourself. I know where it belongs. It belongs with the spider, the spider guy. And Star-Lord. <sighs> 4.75, or four and three quarters, if you will. Captain America, the first Avenger, and Thor. And at the top, in the number five position, a tie of Iron Man, Avengers, Captain America, Winter Soldier, and Guardians of the Galaxy. I do not have a list, but I will just say... What's your top three at this, up to this point? I'll give my bottom um, season one of the Defenders. That was really awesome. Uh-huh. I, I'm going to throw that in. I'm going to throw that in because that just really disappointed me. Dark World and then Iron Fist. Uh, top three, you know, let's say Avengers, Homecoming, and you know, let's put this in. This is actually something that really shocked. Because I'll put it like this. I will, in the next ten years, watch this film more than I will watch the other ones. And Justice and also, League. Flash Thompson really pissed me off. Yeah. That was not a good character. Like, I can, I can, I, I can honestly go on a three-hour rant about that character. Yeah. That might be saved for the Spider-Man Homecoming episode, which, by the way, you are welcome to appear on that episode. Do that in my own. If I'm, if I, I, if I'm here for it, I will do that, because uh, I need to I need to bash Flash Thompson more. You need to bash the Flash. Well, I mean, you need to smash well, the Flash. Well, let's, just, let's just put some that. Final thoughts, Trash. I guess. Um, this is the final thing I think I'll say for this podcast. Uh, it has nothing to do with Ant-Man, but it has everything to do with Spider-Man Homecoming. There's no cool kid named Flash Thompson who's like some pretentious like like debate guy who also at the same time goes by DJ Flash. That nobody no kid would have been the no kid would have been the popular kid like, oh it's DJ Flash in the house. I'm like, yes, no. Hate you. All right, so before we go, once again, also you can find us on social media. Find us on Facebook. Give us a like on there at Facebook.com slash The Marvelous. You can find myself on Twitter at Peter Melnick, yourself at E Wilson nine five nine, or collectively as at the Marvelous, and Charlie, are you on the Twitter? Uh, yeah, Charles A. Peralo at Twitter and uh, Charles A. Peralo at Instagram. I also have the Instagram handle at Comic Books, which long story how I got that, but haven't started to grow up. But hey, it's there. He ended up uh, basically getting in a poker uh, game. Cool, it's pretty that's, cool. That's it's... with Jar Jar Binks. Exactly. For the win. You can also find The Marvelous on Instagram at The Marvelous. You can also drop us an email. Give us uh, questions, comments, strongly worded letters. The Marvelous at gmail.com. You can also find us on Stitcher Radio, available for all iOS and Android devices. And once again, just to remind you good folks out there, you can sign up for Stitcher Premium and help support this here fine program by using the promo code when you go to stitcher.com slash premium. You get a free one-month trial with the promo code MARVELISTS. Correctamundo. I will offer a free something. I have not decided to anyone in the comics. The comments could explain how Thor the Dark World is a good movie. You could offer them a deep blue something. Yeah, a deep blue something. With breakfast at Tiffany's. No, no, nobody's going to come up with a valid reason. So, I mean, I could just do- I could just offer, like, a kidney right now. <laughs> like, I'm not at risk of losing that. Easier that way. Hmm. Anyone who comes up with a good reason for that, why that's a good film, I'll, I'll give a kidney to. Also, once again, rate, review, subscribe, and share on iTunes. So, next week's movie, people, is going to be... Captain America Civil War. We don't need no civil war. Axl Rose in the yeah. house? Yikes. Mm, doing the shimmy thing. Anyway. How about, before we even think about a post credit scene, we'll throw in our, our random question... 
from the Obsessed with Marvel book. Pre-selected. Question number 2233. Marked page already, hopefully. And it goes like this. It's not a paragraph this time, is it? No, it's not. But we're trying to juggle a book and a microphone at the same time. In The Avengers, what name did the Eternal call the Forgotten One? Brother Nero. No. The choices are Hercules, Gilgamesh, Samson, or Beowulf. In The Avengers, what name did the Eternal call the Forgotten One? Hercules, Gilgamesh, Samson, Beowulf. I'll be honest, I'm completely lost. Yeah, it's not to do with the movie The Avengers. Not that I recall. It would not be that. But in the comic book The Avengers, and this sounds like it could have been in the in the eighties, I think. So the Eternal. Gilgamesh. Call the maybe one. question mark. I have a hunch that has got good possibility. Because Gilgamesh, gobbledygook, you know, it all could be kind of a kind of a thing there. So Well Gilgamesh is a name. Yes, it is. Until we got it, you know, fleshed out, Gilgamesh. So Gilgamesh is answer B. And we'll hit that and see what we get. It is correct. On that note, true believers, Excelsior. Also, Charlie left the room. So Charlie says bye. For Peter Melnick, I'm Peter Melnick. He's Charlie. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior again, true believers. Mustache.